Ladies and gentlemen, it is always exciting to have you join us on the Evangelical Student Network podcast. My name is Kaspar Mapurisa, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of our podcast as we continue with our series uh, which is called the Bible in 10 which is a series of 10 teachings which take us through the Bible showing us how the different parts of the Bible fit into the uh, bigger story of the Bible or the bigger narrative of the Bible and uh, last week we spoke about the work and uh, the person of Jesus Christ and how we ought to respond and today we're looking at another aspect of uh, Christ and we'll be focusing on the uh, resurrection of Christ what is the significance of the resurrection of Christ well we see it in the book of Acts um, if Jesus remained dead, if he hadn't conquered death, what would it have meant for us and what would it have meant for him? So ladies and gentlemen, as usual, please sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or juice and uh, take your notepad and Bible and uh, listen as we break down the scriptures for the sake of our maturity in Christ. Let's get it. How are you guys? Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, like you heard, my name is Pastor Tulani. Um, I'm a pastor at Greater Grace Church, uh, Blawayo. Uh, it's a church in the CBD. And I brought my friends just to wave out to my friends. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, no, so. I'm, I'm so glad to be, to be here. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, being a former student, it's a, it's a yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome pleasure to, 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 to share the gospel with you. And today, as we go through uh, the Bible in 10 series, uh, we are in Acts chapter 13, verse 13 to 39 and i'll read from uh that portion let's read from verse 13 starts from prophos paul and his companions sailed to pega in pamphylia where john left them to return to jerusalem from pega they went on to Pisidia and antioch on the sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down after the reading from the law and the prophets the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With the mighty power, he led them out of the country. For about 40 years he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. 
After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning, com condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us their children by raising up Jesus as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy, holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free. From every sin and justification, you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. May we bow our hearts and pray. Heavenly Father, may we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to hear from your word. We ask, Lord, that you give us a rema, a word in season, a redemptive word, a redemptive word for us this afternoon that we may be encouraged in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, I remember uh, being a student at NAST, sitting in one of these uh, aisles, and I was thinking uh, with the world and the ambition that I had, uh, and I was thinking, you know what, I want to make it big, I want to succeed in life, and perchance when I make it big, um, I may be s someone's hope of glory, that they may also get a, a sense of direction and perchance maybe I'll come back and I'll share of the successes and how I got to be there. Unfortunately of all the standards that I had in my mind, none of them did I ever achieve. But God is so gracious that he has given uh, me this opportunity to share with you of this hope that I've also is received. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate example for God's faithfulness. It is a promise of hope for those who accept him, that they may enter also into this kingdom. And you know, as we go through this portion, we are going to see uh, two divisions. From verse 1 to 25, we are going to see the preparation for the promised king. 
the preparation for the promised king from verse 1 to 25. Then from verse 26 to 39, we are going to see the declaration of the promised king. The declaration of the promised king. And you see, in this portion, we, we had two parties introduced to us, and one who departed. There was Paul and Barnabas. And so, um, in the book of Acts, it's a story of origins. This is where we find in Acts chapter 2, the promise of the Father, as the Lord Jesus Christ ascended, he says uh, he's to his disciples, gather in the upper room and wait from the promise. And this is the promise, which is the Holy Spirit, which then descended as they were gathered about 120 disciples together. And when they received the Holy Spirit, that was the birth of the church. And so the church in Acts, we find that it is facing a lot of persecution. And through the persecution, the gospel also grew mightily. And as the gospel spread, the, the, the saints also uh, were strengthened and they increased in number. Paul, Barnabas, and John were part of that company of saints who were sent out as missionaries. They were sent out from their church in Antioch. And they went up to Jerusalem and further up north just as a picture of Christ saying to, to his disciples, the word will spread from Judea to Samaria to the outermost parts of the world. Now they're in Antioch, a place in Asia Minor, and they're really in the outermost parts of the world. And as it was patterned for Paul uh, to, when he entered the region, he would look for a synagogue. This was a place where Jews would gather. And other God-fearing men, even Gentiles, would also gather and they would hear from the word of God. So we are seeing in this portion that Paul and Barnabas, they enter more like this setting. It could be our synagogue here. And they, they are given an opportunity to exhort the brothers. And Paul steps up to the podium. And he exhorts, knowing in mind that he is preaching the gospel to his fellow kinsmen, the Jews, synonymous with rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he gives them a historical account of how God had prepared his people. And you know Israel is a picture of God's kingdom, the future kingdom that we'll see in Revelation in the millennium, way to have tribes, nations, tongues, different kinds of people all together under one king, Jesus Christ. And so he's give, he gives the history of Israel and he reviews, highlighting to them about how God was faithful to, to his people and how God's people were designated to receive God's promises. And he's saying, friends, God did the work for Israel and he prepared the way for you to be his people. And as he's highlighting this, we want to think through, I think in the Bible, ten cities we've been uh, wrapping our minds in these three, three, three areas. God's place, uh, God's people, under God's blessing and reign. And this is a really a picture of what a kingdom is. You have to have a king, right? For it to be a kingdom, there's a king, and there's a land, and there's a constitution that governs the people. And we are going to see how he outlines that from verse 17. If you may go there with me. In verse 17 he says, The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during the stay, their stay in Egypt. With a mighty power he had them out of that country. 
in Genesis 15 from verse 18 to 16, Abraham, the patriarch, the father of faith, even the father of the, uh, the nation of Israel, was given a promise. And in Genesis 12, that promise was that you will have a people, a great nation, you will have a seed, and they will be blessed. But God also told him that these very people of his will be sent to captivity in, in, a, in a foreign land, and they will come out of that land with great possession. We find dear friends in verse 17 that God's people were God's choice. They didn't choose themselves. It was God's faithfulness that made them become God, made them become God's people. Their ancestors prospered because of God's hand upon their lives, even in a distant land. And then coming out of Egypt, they were delivered by the strong hand of God. See how favored they were. And so he's saying this to prepare their hearts to know that, you know what, all these promises as they were coming to pass, God was preparing your heart so that you may receive the promised key. And the second uh, preparation that we find is in verse 18 and 19 as he gives out this historical account. And we may read together. He says, for about 40 years he enjoyed their conduct in the wilderness and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. They got the land. They were given the land. They didn't campaign for the land. They didn't look at the atlas and point to say, we want this land. And guess the land that they have, Israel is, is really a desert even today. But with God, he was pointing that as a people given this land, you will be fruitful. And they were given this as a gift but their bad conduct as they were passing through the wilderness did not make God change his mind. And I'm thinking about the, the other routes Jesus took to the cross, the Via Dolorosa. It is a way through Jerusalem where Christ was carrying the cross, facing great persecution, carrying the cross for his people, not just the Jews, but the people, the whole nation or creation as it is. And as they passed through the wilderness, they were going to a land. When they got to the land, we hear that it was God's strong hand that seven nations were thwarted, thrashed, that they could possess their land. So we find God's people are God's choice. And the God's land that is given to, to, to his people, it is him who has given freely to them. Lastly, we see also in verse 20 to 23, their rule was also God's gift. Let's read together, friends, from verse 20. All this took about 450 years after this. God gave them judges until the time. It is God who gave them judges. In verse 21, then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. You see, when God gives us the best, have you noticed that we always want something better? I remember I was praying for, for me to pass my own levels. I passed and I said, I know what, but I could have gotten A's here. What happened, you know? Then I prayed for my, my A levels. I passed, but I also said, I could have, you know, got a better grade than this. But God knew exactly what grade fit me so that I could fall into the right program. And so I came to NAST, entered uh, textile technology. I wanted to be doing chemical engineering. 
and if I'm not finishing the program, and God finds me and puts me in the path. You see, friend, when God gives us his gift, to us it is his best. But human nature, like these people here, they say, you know what, we want our own king. Under God's reign, God has intended that at, right, at the right time, according to the promises he has given to his people, he will raise a man to be their king. And this will be a picture of the perfect man, the God-man, our Lord Jesus Christ. So the people, they didn't want to be having the reign of God up, up, above them. They wanted a man and say, and God he gave them over to their desires. He gave them soul. But even in God's heart, he had intended that he would give them a man after his own heart. And this is King David. Friends, God's sovereign will and his eternal plan for his kingdom is besides the shade we throw into this plan. No matter how much failure, no matter how much bad choices and decisions that these people, God's chosen people, offended their creator, it didn't stop him from giving them their land, from giving them a perfect rule, a picture of a perfect rule, and didn't stop him from still choosing them as his people. And so this preparation, as we come to the close of this division, in verse 24 to verse 25, the final preparation is we find a man in John chapter 1. This was a man sent from God. And he said, he, 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 as he was being asked by many uh, of his peers in Matthew 11, they were asking, are you the prophet? Because in the Jewish mind, they knew that there was a prophet. There was a coming king. They just didn't understand how it was going to come about. And they couldn't see it. They couldn't read it, though the facts, though the truth was plain in their sight. And this man was John the Baptist. And he says, I am not the light, but I am preparing. I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, shouting, prepare me the way of the Lord. This is the man the Lord Jesus Christ says is the greatest man born of woman. And John the Baptist is the greatest man, you know why? Because under his dispensation that he lived, he was under the law. And under the law, he came preaching repentance. And you know, if I were to come to you and say, stop doing that, you need to do that, you would have to question me, are you also doing that? So according to the standards, of the day. He was a holy man, he was a righteous man, but he's saying, no, man, look at my slipper. Look at the slipper that the, the, the Savior will wear. I'm not even worthy to untie the latch of his sandal. Because he's pointing the, the incompleteness of his work, the work of repentance unto baptism with water was a, a sign that was pointing to the grace of God. It was the law, him being the best that the law had to offer. He was pointing that there is something greater and there is a grace of God. And so when we say the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God gives us hope into what he gives. And God gives us the best. God's people under God's land 
God's people in God's land under God's reign. Israel in Canaan. Now under a king, David. This is a picture that they were being given, pointed to, to the preparation that there is a future king to come. And friends, as John the Baptist was preaching, he says, recognize this king, receive this king. When you receive this king, you have the right to also become a son of the kingdom. But sadly, the people didn't see it. God's own people didn't see it. Now we want to transition to the next division in verse 26 to 39. We are going to see how the declaration of this promised king becomes a reality. Mind you, we are still listening to Paul preaching at Antioch in the synagogue. And now it is pro progressing. He says, your hearts have been prepared throughout history and all that has been happening. Now look, I want to point you to that king that your hearts were being prepared to. I want to declare to you the glory of this king. Do we understand when we read scripture, friends? Because as they were in the synagogue, as also the other friends in Jerusalem, because of failure to understand God's word, they killed the God-man. They killed the king. And so Paul is addressing, is addressing to these God-fearers, the Jews and Gentiles, and he's saying to them, you, he's moved from saying our, our, in the first division, he was saying our ancestors, our this and that. Now he's saying you. He's taking it personal now. He's bringing the gospel close to their hearts. And he says, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ was indeed prophesied by the prophets. But in all that crucifixion, there's something that was so grand that you should have gotten. And that was the event of the resurrection. Christ was crucified, but the highlight of what happened in, in Jerusalem after those three days after his death was that they should be pointed to the resurrection. Now, when you think about resurrection, you know, man is a, is a fascination with death and actually a fascination of cheating death. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of Changamire Dombo. Who knows Changamire Dombo? This guy is known to have been sitting on a, on a spear and he was playing the drums with his exes. So much guts. It's a myth, eh? It's, it's so much guts that one could s sit on a spear and not get harmed. I'm thinking of also a hero in our, in our culture, Mbuyanianda. Now we have a statue of that heroine. You may call it an idol, I do not know, but that statue is, is a picture of men's fascination also with the resurrected life. Because you know what Mbuyanianda, before she passed on, she said, she said, my bones will raise again. And I think in our context of all heroes of heroes, we think Neander is going to come out one day. But you know what? If you go and look for Neander's grave today, the Mafupas are still there. They have not risen. <laughs> the facts around the resurrection, friends, is that on the third day after Christ's death, Mary, along with other ladies, they came with spices to anoint the dead body. 
that he thought that they, the dead body would not be been rotted by now. And so to preserve it for some moment, uh, a time, we need to put some uh, anointing on it. But Christ has promised his disciples that he will rise from the dead. How many were listening? The meaning of the crucifixion we heard from the last talk is that now there is an open, open portal for salvation. The meaning of the resurrection, friends, this 33-year-old man who was crucified, whom they said he's a rebel, whom they said he wants kumokira nika, he wants to subvert authority. The meaning of that is that when Christ resurrected from the dead, he reverted whatever judgment they passed on him. Because he was crucified for one reason alone. They put him to the corner and he gladly declared to them that he is the son of God. And for that reason, that they didn't even give him a chance to take a step to defend himself, they said, blasphemy. He deserves to die. So as Christ proclaimed to them that he was, he is the son of God. So Paul again here declares the gospel, friends, in verse 26, he says, this is the word of salvation. This incident of resurrection is the begging for us to, to depend on the word of God as the word of salvation. In verse 32, he says, this event of resurrection brings for us great tidings. It's good news to our ears. In the Jewish mind, they could not understand it. But he was trying to bring light and he expounds it from Psalm 2, verse 7. And I, I would like us to, to go through, go to that top, that verse, Psalm 2, verse 7. It reads, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son today, I become your father. This is not a verse about Christ's nativity, but not at all. This is a verse about Christ being the firstborn of the dead. In Isaiah 55, verse 3, again, there is us, is pointing to them for us to understand even today about the sure message of David belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. That man that they persecuted, they failed to see the divinity that he was 100% God, he was 100% man, and he is the Messiah. Friends, Jesus Christ could not be contained by the grave. And Paul proclaims it clearly, he says, he could not decay. His body could not be corrupted. What does that mean for us friends today? Because the Jews will say, maybe he doesn't have to do anything with us. The relevance of this declaration, friends, is that the resurrected Jesus has been appointed king of God's people, not only the Jews, but all of God's creation, that we can be part of this kingdom. So by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and obeying in him, me and you, who had broken God's law, that's how relevant it is. This story right now, this declaration that Paul is preaching in this second part, he's saying it's relevant to you because you have broken God's law. Number two, 
You were ready to be punished. Number three, you are certainly going to die. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But in verse 38 to 39, he, he makes it open for us. He says, it is God's faithfulness that through this promise of the risen king, there is hope and it's a guarantee, it's a sure hope that we can also be part of, God, of God's kingdom. He is risen, friends. And he is a risen king. Hearts were prepared. Hearts were prepared throughout history as Paul was preaching this first missionary sermon on his first missionary journey. But hearts could not understand. Hence, they couldn't receive the risen king. Paul declares he is the risen king. And now, and now if you are going to read it, into the rest of the chapter, you will find that it's a sad day even for the Jews that in that time they didn't receive him. And so the message that Paul was preaching now is directed to the Gentiles. In closing, friends, I want to challenge you as I ask you these two questions. According to this graciously availed risen king, who has given us these promises. Are you part of this kingdom? Are you part of this kingdom? Would you desire to be part of this kingdom? The path has been cleared out for us. Just receive. Recognize that he is king. Receive his word. And you have the rights of being a child of the king. Maybe you are part of this kingdom already. What is that for me? What's the significance? Friends, there is so much to do out there. Hearts are stone cold and the declaration of the gospel is still to be done. From Samaria, from Judea to Samaria to the outermost parts of the world, right now, we are in the outermost parts of the world and we have the greatest opportunity. I thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, Christ the resurrected King who is resurrected and seated on the throne ruling and reigning because what's a kingdom without a king, right? <laughs> Friends, the significance of the resurrection of Christ assures us that as we are part of this kingdom, Christ is actively ruling and reigning. Uh, in our lives today and it is our responsibility to proclaim his kingdom to pro proclaim the resurrected lord to proclaim the resurrected king to a dying world ladies and gentlemen this has been the evangelical student network podcast um, please do follow us on all our social uh, networks on instagram we are esn.nast or uh facebook we are evangelical student network or if you want to drop us an email our email address is info at esnstudents.org ladies and gentlemen my name is Kaspar mapurisa and this has been exciting Please do tune in for the next episode. Catch you on the next one. Grace and peace.